What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Perfectly Blended Podcast, Season 4, Episode 9. Today, we're actually going to be doing a recap about the summit on Step Family Ministries that we just went to, and that's coming up right now. Are you a Christian and you are looking to take your faith, your family, and your future to the next level? Then this is the channel for you. What is up, everybody? Welcome to today's show. I'm one of your hosts, Josh, here with the always gorgeous, super smiley. I like your shirt, wife. Thanks. Miss Christy, how are you, babe? I'm good. You good? My hair air dried, so that's why it looks this way. So just to let you know, if you're watching us and if not, you're watching, listening, not yeah. listening to us, when my hair air dries, I haven't even put a brush through it. And yes, I did go to work like this. So that's how my day has been. Always on the go, <laughs> always running, no matter what. Yeah. Know? I got up this morning and I went to go get in the shower and the towel was wet. And I'm like, yep, my wife took a shower this morning, which she normally doesn't. She normally takes showers at night. I'm a nighttime shower. And this is the reason why. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Exactly. Anybody that showers in the morning is wrong <gasps> because. That makes me wrong. It is. It does. No. So the reason why you should shower at night is because at night you went, been outside all day in the elements and gotten all that, the fungus and the germs and everything else on you. And then you come home and you're supposed to put on clean jammies and get into your bed clean. So you take a shower, you get all clean, and then you get into your bed. So your bed stays clean, your mattress stays clean. Everything stays clean. You don't get into your bed dirty after you went out and been out all day long in the world and then bring the funk and put the funk in your bed. Put That's the gross. Funk in your bed. That's gross. <laughs> I would so. say that a lot of people probably say take one in the morning and I know. the evening. I know. I think a lot of people just take it in the morning because they don't think the way that I think. Well, depending so on. So I took one this morning anyway, which is very rare. For like me. if you work out in the evening, I could see taking one in the evening as well, but I have to take one in the morning. Because I do not feel right. My day doesn't it's get started like right. Right. Mm-hmm. No, that's, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with that. Mm-hmm. It's definitely, I think it's psychological to do it at night too. No, <laughs> I just, I just proved why that is. It's in your mind. Okay. That is all the way in your mind. Oh, guess what? Our youngest boy, uh, Christie's boy, 17 years old, our youngest total. He got his braces off today. Yep. I know. Yeah. And he looked, they look so good. Like I just went and picked him up from marching band practice and uh, he got in the car and I am like, let me see them, you know? And he's showing them to me. I'm like, they look so good. Yeah. And he was like, they do, they look really good, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, it's just so, I don't know. It just, his teeth are so straight and they're so just white and just good looking. Yeah. So out of our four kids, three of those children all had braces. Uh, Christy didn't have braces growing up. Mm -hmm. I did not have braces. And my son Josh are the only ones that didn't end up having braces. Which it sounds like the majority of people end up having braces. That's weird because my kid's dad did never had braces. Yeah. And your ex never had braces. Uh Uh-uh. And it's weird because all the other kids had to have braces. Now, the interesting thing about it though is I never had to have braces and my ex never had to have braces. But both of my kids had to have braces. And then Jordan had to have braces, but she isn't biologically like your blood. True. So the only child out of all four children was your blood child that... That didn't have braces. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Isn't that weird? No, it's super weird now that you say it like that. It's your the just, blood child. It's just your perfect genes. It's one. I don't think so. You have perfect genes. You have perfect teeth. Mm. Your teeth are almost as good as mine. It's close. I'll punch them later. <laughs> Every time we go to the dentist, we always get into this thing, right? We usually go all go together. Our family goes together. And I, we usually ask the den- the dentist, we're like, okay, who has nicer no. teeth? Mm-mm. What do you mean, uh? What do you mean, uh? No. What do you mean, no? They randomly tell me. They're cleaning my teeth, and they're like, your teeth are so nice. They and tell I'm me like, every time. Right? I'm like, listen, you need to go look at my husband's <laughs> teeth, and then you need to tell him that mine are nicer than his. And they don't, though. <laughs> <laughs> and then the dentist comes in, and the dentist will be like, your husband has such nice nice teeth. And I'm like, mine are better. Look. <laughs> and, now he's t- and he always wink, wink, nod, nods. He's like, yeah. So, nonetheless, that's our tooth uh, fairy story for the day. But his teeth look so good. They do. They I look wish really I had good. sent him the picture so you get so he could post it up so you could see yeah, it. Yeah, you can see the pearly, shiny, straight teeth. He's like, yeah, it's so funny because we were in the car today and he's like, <laughs> he's doing like that. Because, yeah, because he's like they're slippery and slimy. Yeah, which is really cool. I'm sure if you have something on your teeth for two years, which I wouldn't know. I'm sure that, you know, after they're off, you're like, whoa, this is super strange. Because you have something foreign attached to your teeth for two years. <laughs> I know. I asked him how as plain as tuba was, and he's like, uh. Hard. I actually need to, like, try. Like, yeah, like, figure it, it out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a learning yeah. curve. That's what he was telling me. Yeah. So this last, what did they say? The dentist is even competitive. Yes. Oh, yes. 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 We're competitive everywhere. <laughs> Stacy Lindstrom. Okay. Duh. You've played cards with us, okay? My wife only cares about beating me. Only just me. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, she mm. smiles. She's like, yeah, maybe. Mm. So, this last weekend we this had an top, opportunity. by the way, is Amazon $20. Amazon so. 20 bucks. <laughs> I can have them post the link later. <laughs> All right. Because I've gotten a lot of compliments right. on it today. Slash LuLaRoe. That's what we're doing now. No. On our podcast. Amazon. Okay. So, anyway. So, this last weekend we had an opportunity to go to the Step Family Summit. And it was really awesome, actually. It was in Atlanta, which I didn't really care for Atlanta itself, but the traffic is not. It's just like it was crazy, right? Yeah, and Christy's really afraid of flying. So there was all of those things around all of that, but our hotel room was good. The bed sucked, you know, all those little weird things that make your trip. The hotel was really nice, though. But it was it was a really good trip because mm-hmm. we learned uh, and we're able to make a lot of really good connections with some really awesome people. And it was super, super great. So today we really want to take and do kind of a mini recap about the big things that we took away very that many. we, yeah, very little. I mean, it's, there's so much. Like so those we could, two full days. Yeah, it was, yes, it was two full days, like 8.30 a.m. to like 5, five. 5 p.m. Yeah, two days in a row. So there was a lot going on, a whole lot going on, but. Really what we did is we tried to kind of boil down some of the like three or four big things that we really took away. That we took away. Yeah, that we thought were super, super important and that we needed to maybe have a little bit of discussion today about it with you guys so we can kind of share. And, uh, you know, so we each have papers in front of us and we normally don't. And there was one couple that were there that were Christy and I's favorite that were speakers. They were the oldest, I think. And they were probably the oldest, right? And uh, they both had PhDs. Yeah. And they're both were counselors and he is a retired pastor. And uh, the last like 20, 30 years of, of their career, they only counseled step families, which I thought was super interesting. So you want to talk about wisdom? Like these people had some serious amount and of wisdom. And they're a step family. And they're a step family, which yeah. was super awesome. And like, he's a devout like pastor. Yeah. And what I loved about him is he was like, I know a lot of my pastor friends will only 
marriage counsel, you know, pre-marriage counsel before people get married, first time marriages, people like in their twenties, you know, early twenties or early thirties, late twenties, early thirties. And he's like, to me, that's easy. Like, I want you to give me the hard. And the, I mean, number one, why he feels that way, God puts things on our hearts, but also because he then, you know, has been part of a blended family now himself. And so he understands the different dynamics that step families have, especially mm-hmm. in the Christian community and how we can kind of feel like stepchildren yeah. to the church, you know? So yeah, that's well put actually, babe. That's true. So I want you to let you know, like, I'm going to, I'm going to completely slaughter these, these people's last names. Cause it's a really tough one, right? Like people would probably slaughter let ours. Me it's, let me do it. It's Jeff and Judy. Parazali. I think it Par- was Parzial is what I would say. Parzial. Okay. But I'm going to tell you their website. Okay. And then if you guys want to check them out, like they have their own website, it's called instepministries.com. Instepministries.com. That's much easier to spell. And they live in Colorado, a beautiful state of Colorado. And we've been there. We have been there. Nonetheless. Okay. There is literally bullet point after bullet point after bullet point on these sheets of just pure, awesome, great information. So, like I said, we wanted to take a few things today and kind of boil those down and talk a little bit about them because we seriously could talk about all of this stuff for like the next two or three years because it's just incredible. Yeah, and they really touched on, you know, it's the same thing I felt when I read Ron Deal's book, The Smart Stuff Family. You know, I'm reading through it and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Because mm-hmm. he's talking about, you know, how to families need to crock pot and you have to let it last longer, you know, and it takes like the takes first longer. two years are the hardest and st- most step families take four to seven years to really like subside, like simmer down like blend. and yeah. So, and they do cover that, but I feel like this covered every single point that you could possibly think of. There's so many pages of points here and these three points that we're going to talk about or four points that we're going to talk about were our biggest, I mean, a couple of them were his, a couple of them were mine. So we're blending them. Landing only took us four to seven years and we did it <laughs> as we talk about it because I mean, there was a couple things that he said, uh, to me, to me, to the audience <laughs> about it being, uh, high. Don't jump ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, there we go. I kind of felt that was where that was going. Mm-hmm. She's trying to get ahead of us people. We're going to slow her down. Okay. So for the very first point, and now she's going to be able to run with it. The very first point that we got away from that was high demand low need explain that to everybody it's high need low demand so he just flipped that backwards a little bit i wrote it wrong then no that's okay so there is a high need for step family ministry and for like how what we need resources from the church we need those things so it's a really actually really high need and it's a low demand so churches aren't really understanding a lot. Not, I don't want to say all because some, you know, at this summit, that was the beautiful thing about this summit is that we saw so many people from all over the nation come together that want to bring more awareness to this space. And the people that were the keynote speakers and the leaders of this that wanted to bring the resources to, to equip us to go back and help local churches and, you know, the current church that you're a part of, if people needed that to say like, you know, the church community is full of step families and it actually is a really high need. And you wouldn't think about it. And unless you're in a 
step family. You don't think about stuff that you don't know what you don't know. And it is a very high need and it's just a low demand. So this stuff, having this stuff was super, super important to us. Yeah, I, I can. So when we first started talking about like what type of content, when Christian and I first started this, we started thinking about all the content and stuff like, you know, what do we do to help people? You know, how can we help people that were in the same situation as us? And as we started looking back, after us getting divorces and getting together, we never thought one time to think about reaching out for some type of support. And no. we had to think, why? Was there a need? There was a massive need, but we didn't feel like there was a demand. And this is what I believe why. And this is kind of what we gathered from this is that number one, you're leaving a marriage and you're getting into a new relationship. You feel as though I'm leaving what I don't want and I'm getting into what I do want. So I don't need any help with that, right? Mm -hmm. I've already learned of all the bad things that I don't that I don't like. So I'm getting into something that I do want. So I don't need any help with that. And then we think to ourselves, like, you know, if we've already done premarital counseling, we've already done marital counseling, we don't need that because that apparently didn't help the first time around. So we don't even understand there is any going to be any issues coming ahead. In our eyes, we're just happy to get away from what we were from. And now I'm just talking about our own personal situation. And I think that involves a lot of you as the same is you don't really realize the days to come are going to be unbelievably hard. Mm -hmm. And without having the right type of resources, tools, techniques, all this stuff, it's, we just don't know. So is there a high level of need? There absolutely is, but no demand for it because we just don't know we need it. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And that's what I was saying. People don't know what they don't know. Yeah. You don't know I mean, what you, you don't, don't know. Yeah. You just don't. Cause it's not like step families are walking in the church because we don't think we think We've been married before. We know how to do the marriage thing. We yeah. had to leave the person because the person sucked. Correct. So then you get into the church community and you're like, okay, so I'm getting Jesus. I'm coming to church. I'm getting Jesus. And I married a person now that I feel, you know, is not going to suck. Right. And we're going to be great. And so it's not like you're walking into the church too saying, hey, you know, I really think that we could have some resources here that really would benefit mm -hmm. us. Because we think at that point we have Jesus and we have a new partner. Everything's figured out yep. and it's not, it's, it's a lot harder. You don't think about all the things that you're going to come in contact with. And then on top of that, a lot of the leadership in churches are nuclear families. So they don't think, they just think, oh, if we're going to marriage counsel, you know, someone that's getting ready to get in their second marriage, I'm just going to marriage counsel them just like I'd marriage counsel everybody else. Yep. So we don't realize that there is a need unless us people that are within the blended community actually start speaking up and just saying like, Hey, we do have to deal with things that nuclear families don't have to deal with. We have to deal with the same things, marriage and, yeah. you know, God and life and, uh, bills and all of that stuff. But then we have a compounding amount of things on top of that, that mm -hmm. we have to deal with. And it isn't what God designed for us, but if you read through the Bible, the majority of families in the Bible were blended families. Mm -hmm. So I can only imagine the stuff that people had to go through. The well, jealousy. I mean, some of it they talk about, some of it they don't. Yeah. Well, think about all the titles that we have to carry around, right? Nobody wants to carry around a title when they walk in and say, hey, are you guys a blended family? Are you guys step family? First off, that has such a negative connotation to it. I don't want to be referred to that. And if someone in, instantly in the church says, oh, you guys are getting married and stuff. Oh, you need blended, you know, couple support. You need step family support. I'm like, whoa, slow your roll, man. I'm good. I would right? like it. 
but in the beginning you don't because you don't want to be branded as something negative. And so, yeah. you know, when we walk in and we're looking, you know, even thinking to ourselves like, hey, there's a class for step families or blended families to, to the majority of people are not thinking, oh, I want to go there. It's just like a recovery program, right? We run Celebrate Recovery at our church. People aren't raising their hands saying, oh my gosh, like I struggle with pride. I want to come to your recovery program. No, because if I go there, people are going to think something different about me than what is actually true. And I really believe that's the same thing when it comes to blended families and step families. It kind of carries this, this overarching negative feel to it, but it's not true. Like it's not true. There's, I mean, Jesus was in a blended family. I mean, we can talk about blended family stuff all day long, but we're not, these people are not out just saying, hey, you know, we're in high demand for this right now. Like we're seat searching all over the place for support. No, they don't search for support until their second or third marriage is getting ready to fail again. Now they're like, I need to do something about this. Well, I think, I think some people, like, I think some people feel the way that you said, like, they don't want to go. Like me personally, I feel like if I walked into a church and I was part of a step family already, I would definitely, if there was a step family class, I would definitely want to be in it. I feel like I would be that way. I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I, I love that. Now the, for me, for people like me, the reason why it's hard to talk about step families is because as soon as you say, like, uh, you tell someone, oh, my son's in the hospital. Someone has a lot of empathy for you, especially if they have children, that your child is in the hospital. Then if it came out, it's your stepkid, the, the psychological like empathy and all of that for you changes. And it's still in the world, and even in the secular world where step families are rampant, you know, it's not just in the church community, it's everybody because so many people get divorced and remarried. And it's like, people don't have as much empathy. They actually think in their head, like, well, why are you so upset about that? That's not even your kid. And I just think it's very, very heartless because God calls us to love our neighbor as much as we love ourselves. So how much are you going to love, you know, the children of your spouse? Mm. And you don't love stepchildren the same as your biological kids. It's not the same. It's different. But just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong. But you love them because you love your spouse and it pains you to see your spouse hurting. And of course, it pains you to see a child hurting, but ma mainly because it's your spouse's kids too. So that's the st stigma that I think is in some of the churches is people don't want to admit some people don't want to admit that they're a step family because the view is different from that end. Like people don't care as much for you to care as much if it's not your own kids. Sure. I don't disagree with that. I think it depends on your, where you're at in the whole process of yeah. step families, right? If you're, if you're dating somebody and you are living together, which is the majority of people, whether we like it or not, it's just the reality of the world. Adults that get divorced end up living together before they get remarried. And now they decide they want to go to church. That's what Christy and I did, right? We decided we were going to go to church. We started going back to church and stuff. You know, I felt like there was a stigma around the whole blended step. Like I, you know, I just, it's just one less title I wanted hanging over my head at the time. Now, like Christy said, now we're in church, we're involved, we're married, you know, we're moving along. Okay, now I am looking for step family classes that are part of my church. Like, you know, so I think there needs to be things all along the way is my point. You know, I think there needs to be things for people before they get married. They need to be things for when they are a blended family and they are married, you know, and so on and so forth. So, but I think that's a good point that you talked about because that's the difference between someone that came from a step family and someone that didn't. 
True. You know, so like your parents, I mean, your dad isn't biologically your dad, but he basically raised you from an infant. I don't know any other version. Right. Right. So I forget that he's not your DNA dad. I, I mean, I forget. I have to get reminded so much. So your parents have always been together. Always. So I think that could be the different stigma, though, from a person that came from a, still a solidified home. Yeah. To a, from a person that I, you know, my dad was married five times. My mom's been married three times. So I think it would have been more comfortable for me since that's what I came from. That brand new walking into a church, if I saw that there was a step family ministry, I would have embraced it. That's a good point. Because I came from it. Yeah. You know, so I just think that's a, I think that's a good point. That, yeah, it's different for everybody. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right. So we know that, and it's a fact, the more we get involved in this, the more that we do realize there's a, such a high need for this. And anybody you talk to that has a blended family that's in yes, church, they want it. They they tell you that They're it's just the it. demand is so low. Yeah. I mean, we had we had a conference. Our first conference was this year, perfectly blended conference at our church, and very 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 few people from our personal church actually even came. And I know many many blended families that go to our church that didn't come. Mm-hmm. And oh, uh, you know, now we know why. You know, we know why. So there needs to be more awareness around education. It. Yeah, yeah, education and awareness. So that's the number one thing. Yeah. The second thing that we came away from was expectations. So I like that they talked about this. The theme for them really was unmet expectations, and I loved the fact that they talked about it because a lot of the times we don't realize. When we get mad about something, we just want to talk about why we're mad and how, you know, you hurt my feelings because, you know, in recovery, you are taught to go through the 12 steps and to own your feelings and to say, you know, I felt this way and it's okay that I felt this way. I just need to talk to someone about it, you know, talk to the person that offended me or, you know, go make amends and things like that. In a blended family, especially after we've been through recovery, if you've been through with a 12 step program and stuff, you want to go in when you get upset about something and there's a lot that you can get upset about. Okay. You can get upset that you, you know, you weren't treating my kids is the same as your, your own kids, which I feel, but then you may talk to my kid different than your kid, or you may let your kid get away with too much compared to what you let. And then I'm caught in the middle so that I'm mad at you. I'm mad at my kids. If they're not being nice to you, there's so much that you can get upset about. You just want to talk about why you're upset when really, if you take a step back, usually why you're upset is you had an expectation of how it was going to go. Me personally, I have this viewpoint of how it's going to go and it doesn't meet my expectations. I'm way more, he's way more flexible than me. So if a plan goes awry, Josh is good on the fly. And I am not like if I have this whole plan in my head, so it's more like it is an expectation, but to me, it's a plan like, okay, this is going to happen and then this is going to happen and then this is going to happen. And if somebody isn't happy or someone gets their feelings hurt, I instantly am upset. And then I want to talk about, Hey, I'm really upset because you said this in this tone to this person. When really, if we took a step back and you were like, okay, what, tell me how you viewed this scenario was going to be going, Mm -hmm. which is expectations. And I'm like, okay, I viewed that this, this, it was going to go step, 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 step. And then he could then say, okay, now I have a better understanding of what your expectation was of this specific scenario. And it didn't go that way. And this is what I felt the scenario was going to go like, and it didn't go that way either. So we're both kind of upset. It makes it to where it like diffuses the situation. It doesn't make it so much about feelings 
it makes it more like, hey, these are this is how I envision this going, this picturesque moment, mm -hmm. and it didn't meet my bubble. Yeah, yeah, unresolved expectations. So the thing that I got from this one when they were talking about it, I labeled it one, two, and three. It was three main points: unresolved issues, exactly what Christy was just saying, or mm -hmm. unresolved issues that we've had in our previous relationship, mm -hmm. which we've yeah. talked about before, yeah. that we're bringing along. So we're automatically assuming things of our partner, new partner, because we haven't we don't haven't resolved them. And that this that list of unresolved issues can go real deep, especially if we start talking about maybe some type of chemical dependency issues, abuse issues. I mean, that can go deep. And then the second thing is inaccurate beliefs, right? Which, you know, we have a different belief system maybe. And I don't necessarily mean spiritual beliefs. I just mean internal beliefs. And then number three is unrealistic expectations. So we're being unreal in our expectations. Maybe the way that I raised my kids thus far is very different than the way that Christy did. And I have an unreal expectation or she has an unreal expectation of each other. Like we're supposed to just cope and adjust. And I think for us, we had very we had a very unrealistic expectations oh, yeah. in the beginning when we first got together. Like we each mentioned it to our children that we were going to live together and that was it. All of a sudden now we're living together. Her and I are sleeping in the same bed together. We are not married. Our kids now have to share bedrooms with kids they've never, never even met before. So, and we didn't think nothing of it. We thought nothing. We thought like this is going to be great. And that was such an unrealistic expectation that we now put on our children, right? And now years later, if I, if you ask Christy what her number one biggest regret is, that would be one of your biggest regrets. I have huge regrets about that. Yeah. Like huge. I can yeah. just start crying about it just now, just because you can do such damage psychologically to your kids mm -hmm. that then, yeah, they're going to have to work through as an adult. Just like, you know, my parents screwed me up in some form or fashion and his parents screwed him up in some form. Yeah. Like everybody does. Yeah. So, but as a parent, you really, as a good parent, I don't think my parents cared to be honest, but as a good parent, you really try to not screw your kids up as little as possible. Right. You know, you, you really want to do right by your kids. And because of the background that I came from, just chaos all the time with so many people getting thrown in and out of my life, I really wanted to protect them and not screw them up as much as possible. That's why I prayed to God to never give me a girl. Cause I was petrified that I would screw a girl up. And when the fact that I, that both of us, but I just want to speak for myself, the fact that I disregarded what it would do to them and the feelings that they would have about it and actually talk to them, like, how are you feeling while they're little? Cause now they're teenagers. Like if you try to sit them down now and say, Hey, you know, when this happened, when we did this, how were you? Like, can they, no, we'll they not don't talk about it now. If they're little, like they, they were, remember. Yeah, they were, the well, some do, but nine, they were nine. My two were eight and six. So at that time, if I would have sat them down and said, Hey, how are you doing? Like, how is everything going? How are you feeling? They would have been more apt to talk to me and be open about it and say, mommy and mm -hmm. all of these things. And I really was ignorant to them, especially my oldest, which I've talked about on other podcasts because he went from being the oldest boy to being the third oldest. So he was the alpha. And then he went to being the third oldest, second oldest boy. No one else's positions really changed. Jordan stayed the oldest and the only girl. And she has little Josh. She has Isaiah. She has a brother from her biological dad. 
Little Josh stayed the oldest boy, and he already had another little brother from a different that they had the same mom but different dad. So he was kind of at least used to having like a half sibling. And then Graydon was the youngest. Was the youngest. He stayed the baby. And so little Josh was used to not being the youngest. Right. He had a brother. He was always used to being the second oldest. Yeah. So Garrett, it really was a huge, huge hyper, hyper change for him. And I have a lot of guilt about it. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when that comes to unrealistic expectations, I mean, we think ourselves are like, oh man, you know, at the time, do we think that we were doing harm? No, we didn't think at all. We thought it was great. Like yeah. we're in love. We know how great this is going to be for us. And how great how, we are together. How can it, right. Like how can this not impact our children in a positive way? Right. We're going to church. That is so unrealistic though. It's unrealistic. We didn't just didn't know any better. We didn't. But that's what the whole point of expectations are. I mean, they're unrealistic and we have unrealistic, like things are going to, you know, so Christy mentioned it early on in this episode where, you know, they, they say that, you know, it takes a minimum of two years before you get out of the horrific stage of blending, right? So the bumpiest. Yeah, the bumpiest. I mean, it can be horrific. Okay, let's just be honest. Like a lot of it gets, it's really, really hard. And it typically takes anywhere between four and seven or even more years before things completely smooth out, you know, where you feel like it's not like white knuckle in it every single day. And I think for us, it took us, what did we talk about? Five? Mm-hmm. Took us I about would have five, said five. Yeah, about five years, probably five years in before we were out of the white knuckle zone where, you know, there was constant like, oh my goodness, how are we going to handle this? How are we going to handle this? You know? So we need to understand that we have to be willing to set our expectations correct and I've watched people where they're like, oh man, we've been married for a year now or a year and a half now. And why aren't things great? And it's like, well, things are not going to be great. You know, this is your time of prepping to make things great in the four to seven. So setting our expectations is super important in blended families. But this takes it back to point number one, that it is a high need, low demand, because if you, we started going to church before we got married, you know, had the moved in together and all this stuff. If churches are equipping and being more readily available and talking more about blended families and the fact that second and third marriages have a higher divorce rate than first marriages, especially if there was kids involved, we could start saving a lot more marriages, not just first marriages, but we could start saving these second marriages that people are getting together because again, I came from a blended family, a massive blended family, and I still didn't see these things. So that's why it is such, such a high need because you want to protect now. Okay. Now we're going to get married. We don't want to get divorced again. And people don't think about what they don't think about. So it has to be readily available and talked about in yeah. something that is just second nature, especially the in the church communities. Yeah, it does. Like this is resources that you need. And if you're a step family or if you're getting ready to blend, you need to know these things. You need right. to think about these things. That's you right. need to include your kids in these things. Yes. Yeah. Because we need to breathe. We need to have awareness to these yes. things because we're, completely unaware. Yes. That's why we like talking about this expectation thing is such a big deal. It's such a big deal because your expectations are all over the place, like Mm -hmm. all over the place, because all you care about is finding a better mate Mm -hmm. than you had before. And that's the truth. I mean, it's just, it's the truth. So, uh, expectations, that was a huge one for us. Number three, number three, lies. We tell ourselves, this is my favorite one. This is Christie's favorite. All these lies. (laughs) 
<laughs> because everyone in the room, when they started going over this, the couple in the front, they started reading these. The whole room, you can hear laughter, chuckling, like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, like all these noises. It was the loudest in the room when they started reading these because everyone in the room was part of a blended family and everyone pretty much could relate to at least one of these. So they labeled it as the unrealistic myth. I labeled it as the lies that we tell ourselves, you know, we're going to get together. So the step parent will embrace stepchild with the same love as the biological parent. <laughs> no, the stepchild will desire to quickly establish an emotional bond with the step parent. Mm. Quickly establish. No, my son still hasn't told Christy that he loves her, even though she knows he does. And that is 11 years. It's been. Well, yeah, and he went from nine to now he's going to be 20 yeah. next month. Yeah. So we saw and, how quick that is. Yeah. And then the instant love slash family. So like, okay, like we're married. And they talked about a lot of good, like so good things that we need to take and carry out to our community of people because it's like, it's so true. They made a good point that the kids are usually about a year behind the adults. Yeah. So it's like we get married and it's like after you get married, something even in, in your first marriage, okay, when you get married, you, you can be living together or whatever, dating, you get married, something changes in your brain. And I think God has designed it that way because God, you know, wants us to get married. So it's like we're going through all this stuff blah, 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 and somewhere deep inside we think and we believe we get married. Everything's going to be great. Okay, we're married now. Yeah. Everything's great. Leave it to beavers. My conviction's going to go away. You know, like we're doing the right thing. You know, rainbows and unicorns all day. And what we don't think about is the kids have their own, that, and that's not thought about. The kids have their own stuff that they're dealing with. They have to adjust. And they did make a good point, and I have said this in many of our podcasts. Kids always, no matter what age they are, always hold on to a little tiny thread or dream or fantasy that their bio parents will get back together. Yeah, hope. They talked about that too. And they talked, they about, talked it. about it. And mm -hmm. I thought that was a really good point because after you get married, it more solidifies to the kids that their bio parents will never get back together. And so they want to be happy for you because they want to be happy for their mom. Like my kids want to be happy for me. I'm their mom. Kids want to be happy for me. But then they're also processing their own stuff. Like just the other day we were talking about our marriage and my youngest, Graydon, was like, I just like, do you remember this? Do you remember this? And he's like, yeah, I don't, I never really understood what was happening. At our wedding. At our wedding. At our wedding. And he didn't. And I didn't think about that. Well, you know, like didn't think about it at all. So now they're just like, okay, now he's my dad or he's my stepdad or, and Ron Deal talked about that too, about like, you need to talk to your kids about what you're going to call each other. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not going to be like, oh, the lies we tell ourselves, we're going to get married now. And now he's your dad 2.0, <laughs> you know, like it's not, the kids don't feel that way. So you would need to have realistic expectations yeah. and talk through things before you get married. Yeah, the instant love thing really, yeah. really connected well with me when it comes to this myth, because one of the pastors was talking about like, you know, he was telling his kids, you better call her mom, like you call her mom, 
Like that's, that's the name you call her, you know, and it just caused a lot of distension. And then when the stepmom and the kids got together, they came up with a name that was fitting when they never even alerted the bio dad of this. And then in front of him, the kids called her this and he like jerked this kid out of its seat and took him to the side and said, you do not talk to her like that. And the the stepmom had to come over and be like, whoa, 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 no, it's cool. Like we talked about it. Like this is, this is good. And he was like, you know, so we instantly assume like, right. Those, with, with these that, myths. Both like, of those people were doctors too. Yeah. And they were doctors and they have PhDs as well. And it, it's funny because we just instantly think that's love, uh, you know, embrace stepchildren with same love as parents. I mean, this is like the most uncomfortable expectation. Like it's super weird. Like when I do things, I'm like, oh man, she automatically thinks right now that I'm favoring my kid. Like she just thinks it. Like even though I feel like I'm intentionally, purposely unfavoring my child in this moment, I know in the back of her mind, she thinks that I'm favoring my kid over I her kid. Do. See, and that's what I'm saying, right? So, and that usually is the feeling in it. And so, you know, we we have this weird myth, you know, that we're supposed to just embrace each other's children at the highest degree and love everybody's kids the same. And that is just, that's that's sabotage at the highest level. Uh, that's a myth that's just not, it's not true. Yeah. Um, we'll desire to quickly establish emotional bond with the step parent. I mean, we, these kids, I mean, kids can g go through the whole relationship and always feel like they're violating their bio parent the whole time while they're in your family. You know, like my son, I think always struggled with and probably still struggles with to a certain degree. He's not supposed to like Christy more than he's supposed to like his mom. And if he likes Christy at all, he automatically is liking her more than he likes his mom. And that is a betrayal thing. And whether that's true or not, it doesn't matter. That's the way that these children feel. That's the way they feel. They, they're pickled in the middle. And that's an unfortunate thing. And so these are myths, though. And, you know, and these, even though these are unrealistic expectations, they're still these lies that we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. And as you actually believe that it's going to happen. Yeah. You know, like. You grow to expect it. Yeah, I got with you and I'm just like, oh, I need to make sure these kids know that I'm here to support them and love them and all the stuff. And they didn't want that because their mom, you know, their yeah. mom didn't want that. But then your true colors do come out when it's not even a question. When you feel like he, your spouse is siding with their child over your child it's not even a question i don't go i go to mine you know yeah. and it's just a natural tendency in a blended family that it does i mean there's so much stuff in here we could do other podcasts on these things and because it talks about tons of things in here about how step families reveal weaknesses they talk about how all people you know have their own stuff so you need to own your bad but if you really have things that you need to work on that you make sure that you're doing so because step family being in that dynamic, you can live in this bubble. I think a lie that we tell ourselves too is this is our home. So when you're here, this is how we're going to function in this. And you really don't grasp the fact that one call from the ex will and can disrupt your whole life. So no matter how much you want to accept that or not, if it's not your day to pick up the kids or if it's not your day to do something and you have plans and the ex calls and says, I'm not picking them up, I can't pick them up. Your plans are changed. You like, what are you going to do? Not pick up your kids. You can't make them go pick up the kids. And then you have your spouse being like, but we had plans. 
mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, I'm sick of you. She always her, does this. Yeah. To us. Let her like ruin, ruin our plans and you know? do that. And it's just You'll like, never stick up for yourself. What am I like? I just need, I just know that my kids need to get picked up. Yeah. So it's, it's very, those are things that you don't think about either and lies that you can tell yourself like, no, once we get together, it's us and her days are her days and our days are our days, which isn't true. It it doesn't It's changed so many times for us. Yeah. But it never a hundred percent, even if it happens one or two Mm -hmm. times, you get frustrated with it, you know, because you think they're doing it on purpose, which sometimes maybe they are. Sometimes they're not. Most likely they are some of the times doing it intentionally. All right. Number four. The fourth thing we walked away with is different isn't wrong. Yes. I love the points that he brought up for this because it's these simple things that people uh, talk about. Josh and I, that is something that I wish we would have learned from the beginning is he parented differently. I parented differently, but just because it was different, didn't mean he was wrong. And just because mine was different, didn't mean mine was wrong. And part of my problem coming into the relationship was I was still actively drinking. So a lot of people, if you've listened to our other podcast, you guys know, you guys know that Josh was a year and a half sober, which he made the you know, one-on-one mistake in recovery and started dating a person that wasn't full in their addiction. I thought I could fix her. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm stubborn now. I mean, let alone when I was like really bad. (laughs) So now I don't remember where I was going with that. I don't know either, but all we know is that different is not wrong. Different isn't wrong. And that's the thing is that we have a hard time with, especially if you have older children, you are very stuck in your ways, right? So in, in your previous relationship, maybe you've done things a very specific way. Maybe you had certain types of chores you did at home. Maybe your children have very certain specific things that they did, uh, at, in the previous relationship. And now you're coming into the new, you know, maybe this family's a little more chaotic. Maybe the kids are a little more outgoing. Maybe your children, you know, come home and they do their homework first and then play later. Well, I don't know. You said I'm you didn't vetoing. know. You didn't know. I'm not. I'm not talking for the rest of the show. <laughs> you said you didn't know what you were going to say. I found them. <laughs> well, well, you go ahead and talk about no. them. No, you talk about your points. My I'm point. Kidding. My point is, is that you know we have all of these things that we get stuck in our own way, and when you get into another marriage, you are so stuck and saying to yourselves, like, I don't want the same thing to repeat. So I'm going to dig in a little bit harder this time Mm -hmm. and stick with the things that I want, the things that I desire. And what ends up doing is you end up blocking out any suggestion that can come in and it creates all this, it makes everything wrong, everything different. It becomes wrong. And all that does is create deeper, deeper tensions within the family. Yeah. But What I was going to say is I was still in my addiction. And one of their points in this massive list of pamphlet is if a parent comes in, one of the parents, both parents come into the relationship with their own stuff already. So I was actively in my addiction. So I was a broken and I wasn't able to own my bad yet in that area of my life. So when him and I got together, I was very insecure. So everything he had already been through recovery. He already had like this great relationship with his kids. He already had his crap together. It seemed like for me. And so everything that he was doing with his kids, I perceived as wrong because it was a threat to me because I felt like he was already so far ahead and he was already such a better parent than me because I was already so broke. I was so, so broken and I wasn't confident in my own 
parenting abilities or the decisions that I had made for my kids because I was insecure. So you have to make sure that you work through those things when you get together and talk about them. So one of the points that he brought up, two of the points that he brought up about different is not wrong is you can get in a blended family and some people, they wake up for their kids and they make them pancakes and bacon and eggs. And some families, it's breakfast, you know, sitting out in front of the TV, you know, cereal. eating breakfast. Yeah. Eating cereal together. And that could be, that could turn into a major fight in a relationship. Like, you know, I make my kids, kids, you know, my bacon and eggs. And it's like, I don't want to spend money on bacon, eggs, and waffles every day for four kids. Okay. That would be too much. And then the other thing is, is when they do homework. So he might say, my kids come home, they go play because I know that they will get their homework done. I've never had an issue with them not turning in their homework. So I give them the freedom and the responsibility to make their own decisions because they can handle it. Where someone may, like me would be like, I don't care. Like they need to come home and they need to do their homework before they allowed to play. It's like, you know, business nope. before pleasure. That's it. You come home, you get it done. And then you have the, but that's how I am as a person. Like I cannot give myself the leeway to sit down and relax. If there's this, this, and this to be done. Like you need to get it done first. I think this is where kind of the whole nacho parenting thing comes to be a broken system. Because yeah. if you're in a family and your kids come home, right? I'll, let's say all four kids come home, two of hers, two of mine. They all come home from school. And then they're like, well, my kids do their homework and I don't have to force them to do it and they'll do it later. And I don't have to worry about it. And Christy's like, no, my kids are doing their homework now. What type of divide do you think that puts between the children? That's where right. like sitting down and saying, okay, you know, we need to come up with something that works for both of us and works for our family. You know, it's kind of whole creating new traditions kind of concept. It's like, it's, it's kind of going through this and saying, okay, we now need to recreate this because in a nuclear family, you don't sit and say two of the kids, you know, get to do their homework whenever they want. And then two of the other kids have to do it right when they get home. Like that will, would never, it just wouldn't happen. Right. Because now all of a sudden you're like, that's your favorite, you know, that's your favorite. And that would just never happen. So, you know, we have to understand, like, we have to have flexibility in our blended family. We have to have, you know, the understanding that different is not necessarily wrong. It doesn't have to be wrong. And I think it's real easy to be emotionally thinking that you're hurting your children yeah. and making them change things too. Yeah. Listen, you've already changed it. It's yeah. already been changed. The consistency and everything being on somewhat of an, of an equal understanding level. Now I understand everything that can be equal for every kid. I get all that. Right. Like I'm not even going there with that, but I think when it comes to big issues, we have to understand that different isn't wrong. Like we have to come to a common ground on things to make sure that our family is cohesive. You know, the whole chore thing, making chores equal for everybody in the sense that they do it, does it by age, but making sure that it's not unfair where like Christie's kids were at, at our home almost all of the time where my kids weren't. It'd be unfair to tell these, her boys that they had to do chores every single day. And when my kids came home, they had to do it, you know, two times a week. And we can get into the whole like, well, my kids have to do chores at their mom's house. No, no, I don't know what my kids do at their mom's house. Right. And their mom's house isn't my concern. Our house is our concern. So I think we have to be very careful that we change this whole, you know, different isn't wrong thing and try and bend it into the way that makes us feel most comfortable. And I do think it's important for you as a couple. I mean, this was hit home 
but everyone at the conference, because everyone that's in a blended family, especially the Christian community, understands your marriage. It starts with your marriage. The key is your marriage. Your family is going to be as weak or as strong as what your marital bond is. And I think it is important to try to make it, Josh and I did when it came to this, I think we did a good job, try to make it as fair as possible. So like if we, he had a certain way to do this and I had a certain way to do this, if we more leaned towards, okay, we're transitioning to the way that he did it. The next time something small like this comes up, like the homework or the play, like, okay, let's try to, if it does, cause it really doesn't matter. Neither, n- neither one matters. It's not like life or death of the family structure and everything else. You do try to make, try to need to make sure that it doesn't change everything up. Like every, all the basic everyday little habitual things that you did as a family, a mini family, all lean towards the one spouse's family. You need to try to make it to where it blends. You know, you mm-hmm. do some of the things that my mini family did when we came together and we do some of the things that their mini family did before they came together because the mini families stay mini families within the family. So you need to try to blend it. And that's the whole point of the word blend. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole, the word for this conference was prepare, right? So they have a theme each time and it was on prepare. And this is something that Christy and I are really going to lean into when it comes to blended families is uh, premarital or pre-blending, you know, is something that we really want to lean into because the best way, the ultimate best way to help prevent some of the issues is to be well-equipped before they happen. Yeah. And so, you know, understanding how important it is to prepare, you know, all of these things that we've talked about, plus all of these other things that are on here are things that we can educate ourselves, find tools, techniques, resources available that can help give you a hand up. Is it going to fix everything? No, absolutely will not. Because ultimately it's going to take hard work, but Christy said it, and this is something that we are true believers in at the very, very foundation other than focusing your lives on Christ. The next thing is focusing yourselves on your marriage. If you have a strong marriage, You'll want to work through these things. You'll desire to work through these things that are super hard to work on. You'll stop thinking that you're a silo and that your way is the way and that you need to look out for you. And when you really work hard on in creating a solid foundation in your marriage, it makes it much easier to work on these things. And that is something that we discovered in the last 11 years of our own relationship and family mm-hmm. is that has been a major source of um, fruit that's come in our own personal family is working on our own marriage. So, so prepare, you know, prepare. And I think I want to leave with that at the end is just prepare. If you want to look up these people, uh, like I said, their website is uh, instepministries.com. I'll leave a link down in that. So it was so cute though, because when they got up to start talking, she was like, our ministry is called blended and blessed, blended and blessed, which is somebody else's. And they're talking, you know, and I'm like, I looked at Josh. I'm like, oh my gosh. I didn't know they'd founded that. They were that. the original founders of Blended and Blessed. And him and I were both like, whoa. And then he waited so patiently, very similar to Josh and I. He waited so patiently for her to get done talking. And as soon as she got done, he was like, yes, dear. And our ministry is called Instep Ministries. And then he went to talk and she's like, isn't that what I said? And he's like, no. And she, you know, <laughs> but it was so cute watching them be together it was sweet you know they were just a very very sweet couple they were they were very complimentary of each other you know jeff and judy they're jeff and jeff and judy jj Mm. 
So nonetheless, it was a fantastic time. You know, we look forward to really sharing a bunch more that we've gotten over the next few weeks. Next week, we have a super special episode. So seven o'clock next Tuesday, you're going to want to stay tuned for that. We have something... Um, Something a little outside of the box that we're going to do next week. So it was Josh's better. idea, of course. Anything outside of the box is Josh's idea. I like the cover, color outside the lines. In the box is my idea. Yeah. Outside of the box, it's my idea. Yeah, just really Which sometimes. I love. I love it. Yeah. We compliment each other. We do. So thank you so we much for being well. here. We want to also let you know that we have a private uh, Christian Couples of Blended Families Facebook group. <clears throat> I'll make sure to leave a link down there too. Join it. It's private. You can share. You can ask. And, uh, you know, it's just a place to be able to go in and just, uh, you know, hopefully gain some knowledge and share some experience and help each other along the way. We need more of it. Or if you want us to come to our, come to your church to do a perfectly blended event. Yeah. A two hour event. We can do two hours Mm. of event. We can share on all the experiences that we've had. The uh, event that we did was a full day, but, uh, you know, we have an opportunity to do two hours and we would love to do that. Yeah. Thank you so much. We appreciate you being here. If you've made it this far and you haven't shared us yet, please hit the share button. We do appreciate it. And we'll see you next Tuesday at seven. Bye.